Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber. I'm just about asleep, and I'm joined by... Andy Germuga, who's plenty awake. Thank you very much. Wow. Another one, Commedia dell'arte, staying Colin Ashley. Ah! <laughs> Emilio Diaz. All right. In a little bit, we're going to be joined by Will Hines to talk about some films by the director Bruno... Dumont. But first, we've got some more breaking festival news. Boy, is it to breaking. give to you. This is uh, a hot dump. Yeah. Jesus. Why? A hot dump. A hot news dump. <laughs> Colin, you have that's to foul. edit that out. What? <laughs> Andy called an episode like the big blowout ass blast or something. <laughs> That's not true. It was at the raw festival. I mean, worse, maybe. <laughs> Honestly, worse. I don't know if that's worse than ass blasting, but. Okay. All Man. right. We'll let the fans decide. Anyway. Or the listeners. I pro- pro- promise the listeners that the back half of this episode is like really strong stuff. Um, I also love that Colin can't commit to calling the people who listen to this podcast fans. He has to immediately backpedal. All right. Well, we have had two things that are worth talking about that have been announced this week. On Tuesday, we got the main slate for the New York Film Festival, which is very exciting. And then on Wednesday, which is today, we got a moderately exciting update from the Toronto Film Festival. First, in the main slate, we're not going to list everything because we've talked about many of these movies a bajillion times. Yeah, 32 movies, a jam-packed slate. I mean, this is pretty normal. It was a reduced lineup last year. It's even been a... It's gone up to maybe like 35 or 6, I think. Oh, I meant jam-packed content-wise. Oh, sure. It's It's all heaters. Yeah. Is it? Um, it's a lot of heaters. Uh, but we do have some snubs. Uh, I would say one of the stranger ones, because it was very well-liked, has uh, a lot of, is well-appreciated by the type of people who program the New York Film Festival, was, uh, um, his, his previous movie, played the festival, uh, Dominic Graff's Fabian, or Going to the Dogs. Uh, big snub. Uh, then we've got several, I would say, can competition snubs. Uh, I would say the first three fall under the category of uh, they got poor reviews, and so I assume just no one in the selection committee liked them. That would be Arnaud Deplachin, which that's like a big change, because in the past, under at least under the Kent Jones administration, uh, Deplachin could 
poop out whatever he wanted and they'd throw it in the main slate, uh, but not anymore. Uh, the Ildico and Yeti film, which was a little bit of a long shot anyway, especially once it got mixed to poor reviews, and then the Nanimarati film, which everyone just says sucks. Uh, and then Sean Baker's movie, which was pretty well liked, uh, I'm interested not to see here, uh, a twenty four. It doesn't have anything. It's not playing anything else this fall yet, right? Like I guess. No, it hasn't been it announced anywhere. It could do tell you right. I mean, A twenty four is being a little weird about festivals. I guess uh, the humans is it TIFF? Is right. that the only one at TIFF? Well, so far. Maybe. I mean, isn't uh, Macbeth also a twenty-four? Right. So Macbeth right, is, yeah, Macbeth is it is opening, and then they have uh, Joanna Hogg. But like, we'll talk about like Koganada also does not have a post can screening lined up yet, uh, which is another I would say snub from this lineup, uh, and then like. I, it sounds, what I'm hearing is that Come On, Come On will be at Telluride, but then maybe it'll show up in Spotlight here, maybe uh, it sounds like there's going to be one more round of kind of high-profile TIFF edition, so maybe maybe they're just kind of playing things close to the vest. Uh, Vigil Hill Close Film Compartment Number 6 was very much something I felt like was on the edge. And, like, similarly, uh, not similarly, because he's uh, been around a lot longer, but, like, ODR, they've just kind of been out on for a while. It sounded like some people maybe thought of this one as, like, I wouldn't have been shocked if they saw it as a little bit of a comeback, but I guess they didn't, uh... And, like, similarly, similarly, Farhadi, they're just out on, it seems like. Uh, from UCR, I already said Koganada. And then also Arthur Harari and Sebastian Misa had pretty well-liked films. I suppose it's possible that those two could show up in Currents. Uh, Louis Garrel was in competition not competition, the main slate with his last film. And this uh, is a sequel had, to that. Yeah. So, but again, it's a different administration, so what can you do? Uh, I would say another one of the, like, really surprised... Well, the only reason it's not really surprising is because it could be in Currents, but I would have expected uh, The Two Good Diaries, the film from Miguel Gomes and Maureen Fazendero to be in the main slate. I mean, Miguel Miguel Gomes seems like a guy who has earned a slot in the main slate, Uh, and it's not like this was a disappointment, even if it's maybe a more minor work. Uh, We just mentioned The Humans, the Stephen Karam film, which I've been saying makes sense. It's just like a New York-y thing. He's a New right. York kind of guy. Uh, and I did not, I looked through the whole TIFF lineup and I did not see any other A24 movies. Great. So I think, yeah. Uh, but you know, this could also maybe pop up in Spotlight and other films that maybe could pop up in Spotlight. I said Mike Mills already uh, with Come On, Come On. Uh, Spencer, the Pablo Larraín film. 
Yes. And from, uh, I think I said this last week, from what I've heard, Paul Thomas Anderson has always been supposed to premiere at New York Film Festival, has never been supposed to be one of the gala slots, so I wouldn't have expected just him popping up in the main slate. That would be very strange. So I assume either it's in spotlight, just in spotlight, or it's like some kind of special spotlight screening that's going to cost more. We'll and see. then um, uh, some news came out about that. I think today there was a press release that, um, unless I just misremembered that it was announced already, that had a detailed release date. Where it's the release to... date wasn't new. That had been announced already. And then um, I think there like word is coming out that it's like basically done. And yeah, there's a trailer. It would make sense if that, if there's a, a, or a teaser that's done, it would make sense. They're going to have to announce the rest of their lineup next week because Ticket Redemption begins on Monday the 23rd. So it would make sense if next week they announce it and the trailer comes out with that. I mean, I'd be so excited. (laughs) I'm just, I'm ready for it. Maybe they'll do, uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about the, like, New York Film Festival used to do, or maybe they did up until, like, recently, um their sort of trailers for the festival. Um, right, I, yeah. I, I feel like that was where the first clips of Inherent Vice came out I back think in that's 2014. Right. Um, so maybe there'll be something like that. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know when they last did that. Uh, but yeah, those were cool. Uh, and then there's some stuff that we hadn't, you know, some of them we have talked about, but not in this context of potentially being in the main slate. Uh, just going alphabetically, uh, Akiara, the Yonis Carpignano film, I don't think they've had him in the main slate before, and it's not like this got better reviews, it was in director's Fortnite, like his last movie, and I really just didn't hear anything about it, but... I guess the new administration's into him. Uh, The first 45 years is a documentary about the Israeli occupation of Palestine uh, that I don't really know anything about. Uh, Flea is one of two films from Sundance. Yes. uh, Both of which Andy has seen. And you love that movie, right? Flea was my favorite. Everyone loves Flea. Uh, I think it's extremely good. Strong recommend. Mm-hmm. It's recommend a TIFF to too. I, yeah, yes. I figure I'll see it at one some point between the two festivals. Uh, yeah. Futura, the film by Pietro Marcello, Alicia Rohrwacher, and Francesco Munzi, uh, is in wavelengths at Toronto and like the two wavelength, you know, in the past, plenty of things have translated over from wavelengths into the main slate. Last year, there were only two wavelengths titles at TIFF, and they were both in Currents, but we've got uh, a couple of wavelengths movies in the main slate, back in the main slate this year, and this is one of them, and it makes sense. They're high, you know, Marcello and Rocker have both been in the main slate before. Uh, Hit the Road is another, this is another director's Fortnite movie that I didn't really hear a ton about. It sounds like it's pretty solid, but a little, yeah, maybe a little the, more of a crowd pleaser. 
it sounds good to me. Yeah, it's I mean, the, the it's few, the, the little, it's like the the little buzz I heard about because it, it's by Jafar Panahi. Son. Yes, Panahi. 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 And the little buzz I heard about it was like it's like a Jafar Panahi movie. Yeah, so which like, those are usually good. Yeah. Um. Neptune Frost is the other movie that's also at Wavelengths and was also in Director's Fortnite. Uh, and that sounds like is like a weird, some kind of like Afrofuturism kind of movie, uh, which I heard was pretty good. Uh, I, I say weird not because Afrofuturism is weird, but because it's in Wavelengths. Uh, um, and then the other Sundance movie is Passing, the Rebecca Hall movie, which I'm a little surprised to see here. Uh, you know, it seemed like sure? people thought it was pretty good, but... Yeah. You know, it's fine. I just movie doesn't... I, I thought, fully thought had come out. No, Netflix bought it, and they're gonna, yeah. I'm sure they're gonna give a big uh, Ruth Nega push. At the yeah. I mean, I feel like for some reason I thought that like it went into Sundance with like a February date but that was just not the case Netflix bought it out of the festival I don't know why I thought that maybe I'm confusing it yeah I might be confusing it with land so many times in my life have I confused passing with land yeah and then the last movie is uh Another on a certain regard movie that I didn't really hear that much about, uh, Prayers for the Stolen by Tatiana Oizo, uh, who is a name I've kind of heard, but I didn't hear much about this movie and I don't really know much about her, uh, but, you know, we'll see, maybe it's good. Uh... And then we've got TIFF stuff. Uh, we got Platform. We got... Sh yeah, we got Platform. We got Shortcuts. We got some special events. And we got a Secret Gala. Uh, Emilio, do you want to take Platform? Uh, sure. Okay, so Platform. Platform is eight movies, I think. Right? It's, it's a small it group right. of movies. Yeah, it's like half of what it was in previous yeah, years. Yeah, small group of movies. This is their juried section, right? Yep, which they just announced Riz Ahmed will be the president of that jury. It's usually a small jury. I think it's always been like three people. Right. Is Platform where um, Sound of Metal yes. played? Yeah. So that would be, I think that's like, they're going for that. Yeah. yeah. You know, sure. Sure. He's a bigger so, deal than Darius Martyr. Yeah. I googled. I tried to find out what I could about all of these filmmakers here because they're pretty small films, like, intentionally. This yeah. Section for Sometimes they have bigger movies, but not this year. The first film I is mean, like, Jackie was there. Moonlight. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Her Smell was platform? Yeah, I Her think? Smell was yeah, platform. Burning, Destroyer was weirdly platform. Yeah. Was yeah. Elephant... No, Elephant Sitting Still was not. Um, no. They no. haven't... The, they've never had anything that was like yeah. a pre-fall premiere. Yeah. So, first movie. Arthur Rambo by Palme d'Or winner Lauren Cantet. Mm-hmm. He's really in his flop era. 
He's in his flop era. He's, so <laughs> he's on, he's at official. Flop. Can I kick it stance? Is that Lauren comes shape up or ship era. out? <laughs> he's kind of already been shipped out. I mean, you know, he has a movie premiering at Platform at TIFF. I think he's doing sure. okay. Doing okay. I mean, Nobody would have like, loved to be at Can. They seem yeah, to like, no relative to winning the Palm Door. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. The, uh, the spit in the, the face to you. Andy Tiff Gramuga. <laughs> Next up, we the have People's Festival. It is the yeah. People's Festival, yes. Next up, we have Drunken Bird, directed by Canadian director Ivan Grubovic. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm bad with Eastern European names, which is bad for letting me do this section. But, uh,. Yeah, it's uh, he's like a music video guy. Not a lot of like mm. feature work. Uh, this seems like a drug thriller. Has Next he, up, like, we have done music videos for people that we know. No, just like okay. not anybody I'd ever heard of. Just a lot of shorts and and music videos. Next up, Earwig by Lucille Hadzilovic. Hadzilovic, whose most uh, like famous credit is that she has like a writing credit on Enter the Void. Right, I forgot about that. And she seems to have directed a couple of stuff that yeah. seems well enough regarded for like. Yeah, I saw her did. second and previous movie, uh, Evolution, which is like very strange, uh, kind of like genre. Like, I don't remember a ton about it. It's about these like kids that do they become mermaids or I don't know. This it's one, good. in a similar weird twist, seems to be uh, is described as a young girl yeah. with ice cubes for teeth begins a mysterious journey. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, quite a thing. Next up, we have Huda Salon by Hani Abu Asad. Hani Abu Asad, obviously the director of The Mountain Between Us, the Idris Elba Kate, Kate <laughs> Winslet <laughs> movie. movie. Uh, also winner of a Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film for his film Paradise Now. So he also seems like a person who's like has a decent amount of profile for being in platform at TIFF. But uh, maybe he's excited yeah. that his movie was picked up by IFC already. Who this mm. one was picked up by IFC already for a release. So uh-huh. uh, there's that. Next up we have... Mungu Wam Goodmeta um, by Jenna Kato Bass, who is like a South African director who just like seems to be a TIFF person. All of her movies have seemed to be just play t- have played TIFF at different sections, like Discovery and Platform previously. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we have Montana Story, directed by Scott McGeehy and David Seigel, who are American directors who just seem to also make a lot of like. Tiff core movies were just like yeah, small indie that, movies with like called famous What Maisy knew their last movie. Yeah, yeah. Is what Maisy Lauren Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, and Montana Story stars Haley Lou Richardson. Yeah, which so is hopefully uh, it's good. She's great. Yeah. Next up, we have Silent Land by Aga Washins. Once again, cannot pronounce this. Uh, what's her deal? Uh, I lost my notes. If anybody wants to try and pronounce her name, well, I go Wasinska or Wasinska. Was, 
Klinska. Yeah, she seems to just be like a relatively like new director. She's Polish. Mm-hmm. Not much uh, uh, out there on yeah. her. And then after that, we have Uni by Camilla Andini, who is an Indonesian director who has also made a couple of films that seem like they're relatively successful over in Asia, but m- maybe hasn't really crossed over. And hopefully mm. for her, this one does. Yeah. And those are all the movies at Platform. Yep. All right. Well, the other things we've got, we've got these four special events. Special events! Which Dune had already been announced. And then right. we've got... Um, a hero. A hero. Gosh, Garfarhadi. Memoria. The Apichet Hunger. Seth And Spencer. The Pablo Lorraine. And I, f- I feel like it doesn't explicitly say this, but the imp- the assumption is that right. these are the movies because that... this is like what was true about dune was the, fa- the like the thing that was they were going to play dune but it was like only going to be in a few theaters and it was not going to be online at right. all so the assumption and is so... that these movies will be the ones that are only in person screenings uh which is uh you know good for them sure I mean, they're all different distributors, right? So it's like... Yes. So it's not like it's like one distributor who's yeah. like... Yeah. And like, yeah. And like, Neon has uh, Titan in the Midnight Madness. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess they could decide that there's other things that aren't getting, you know, but Online. we'll yeah. see. I mean, just in general, distributors... And production companies seem to really not want their movies to screen online, which is like not right. I mean, the other thing that happened is that the other thing that happened is New York Film Festival was like, uh, we couldn't figure out how to do virtual screening. We're just not going to do it. Uh, right. So, you know, they're going to have statement was like distributors asked us not to. Yes, It, it had a line that was like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, uh, they won't, they won't happen, uh, at New York, but Toronto will be largely hybrid. Uh, And did we talk about Sundance announcing? I don't think we did. Maybe we didn't. That's weird for them to announce that so early. Yeah, it just seems like a weird thing for them to do. They announced everything will be available online, which is just like, okay, but. You're not going to premiere... Well, I guess that's not true. I was going to say you're not going to premiere an A24 movie if you're online, but TIFF is, so maybe they yeah. will. Uh, but I was like, you know, you're not going to get Kenneth Lonergan. You're not going to get Kelly Reichert, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's... I, I, I think that's a pretty cool thing for, for Sundance to, like put their marker down and be like this is what it's gonna be um i'm interested to see how it works i was very you know it was very had a very great experience covering it digitally mm-hmm. this year so uh it's you know i'm 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 curious to see if anyone's able to maintain even like a partial balance between them as we move on beyond yes, pandemic restrictions. that is what i would like to see is balance i 
I understand why it is good for some of these films to screen virtually, uh, but, uh, you know, like, I personally just cannot watch as many movies at home attention-wise as I can if I'm physically at a festival, so, like, as long as neither is to the detriment of the other, yes, it's great to do both, but, uh, yeah. Uh, and then the other stuff going on at TIFF, uh, you know, there's a bunch of shorts. The only one that stuck out to me was the, uh, Matias Pinheiro, Lois Patino film, which, uh, uh, what Shakespeare they're doing. They're doing some Shakespeare, it's, you know, it's, it's a Matias Pinheiro shakespeare thing. Uh, and then, um, they also just like threw up on the website without putting it in their press release that uh John Michael McDonough's new film which stars Ray Fiennes and Jessica Chastain and Kayla Landry Jones who was also in his last movie that no one saw uh which is called The Forgiven which is a really uh just like barely a title uh but you know, his first two movies are pretty solid. He's Martin McDonough's brother, is the Yes, that's correct. There? Right, okay. Not familiar with him, really. I've seen yeah, The Guard. like some of his stuff. It's like... I think The Guard is better than both of the Martin McDonough's I've seen, but that's not really a compliment to either. Well... Alright, we don't have to get into that. Uh, that's it. We're done. Alright, we are back to uh, restart our uh, 2006 can miniseries with uh, Bruno Dumont's competition title Flanders. We'll also be talking about uh, Slack Bay, which played competition at Cannes ten years later. And to talk about those two films, we're joined by actor and improv teacher Will Hines. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. We're really glad to have you. My pleasure. So to start off, uh, I mean, we haven't talked at all. I don't know if you've even uh, been to a film festival before, but do you (laughs) have, what is your, if you have what was that like or if not Um, what's your like general relationship with like art film and uh, international film uh, i love movies i watch a lot of movies um i go i do go in and out of my appetite for like artsy films there's times when i gobble Mm -hmm. up a lot and there's times that i'm like i just don't even want to deal uh festivals i've never been to any of the big ones um I used to live in New York City, and so I would go to the Tribeca Film Festival. I mean, that's one of the big ones, mm-hmm. I guess. But like, yeah, um, yeah. a couple times, you know, where like you get a pass and you can go to like, you know, mm-hmm. weird hour and a half things at like 10 a.m. or something like that. Um, in L.A., they they sometimes have like a fringe. They have some kind of film festival in L.A. where mm-hmm. friends will end up having passes to see lots of weird movies and so I'll just kind of let the universe mm-hmm. decide what I'm going to see <laughs> by virtue of which friend and it'll just be like some you know slow European film where there's like four murders and a party 
over <laughs> like three hours. Um, and then I'll never hear of it again, except that day I see it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Um, sometimes I get lazy and I just like reading a lot of capsule reviews. I used to like reading uh -huh. Roger Ebert's little reviews of the Toronto Film Festival. I feel like for whatever reason, mm -hmm. he would always cover the crap out of that. I'm not sure why that one of all. I, it's the, I believe it is the largest film festival in North America. Okay. It's the one that we've all been to. I see. Yeah. Um, but I'm always down for a weird, freaky piece of art. I'm always, uh -huh, you yeah. know, I'm always down yeah. to check it out. <laughs> Which I would say these oh, yeah. are both in very different <laughs> yeah. ways. I couldn't yeah. believe it was. I guess I can believe it was the same director, but they are it's, so vastly different that you right. could. I would easily be convinced this was two different directors. It's yeah. shock. It's mm -hmm. truly shocking. Yeah. It's like literally like the comedy mask and the tragedy mask. Like, it's uh, yeah, like yeah, like the yeah. two separate <laughs> takes. <laughs> yeah, and it really is like uh, I'm gonna go through his career because he has kind of a strange relationship to like what festivals his movies have premiered at that's worth talking about but like it really is like down the middle he's one guy and then he's another <laughs> guy uh though it seems like i don't know he, he had a new movie at Cannes last month that maybe sounds like it's a new thing i don't know i, I will be seeing it soon uh, and we'll talk about it a little then. But so his his first movie, Life of Jesus, premieres at Director's Fortnight at Cannes in 97, which is like, it's a, a fairly big thing to get, even though Director's Fortnight isn't the main competition, it's like a fairly big thing to be playing Director's Fortnight with your first movie as opposed to there is a section of the festival explicitly for first and second movies so if you're in a section that is not that one the assumption is like oh you're better than that section it's an above average debut and then with his second film he went straight to being in competition which is uh similarly like oh this is someone to look out for if they're in can competition with their second film and that's uh, Le Humanité, which wins the second biggest prize at the festival. And then he has a movie called 29 Palms, which premieres at the Toronto Film Festival in a section that doesn't exist anymore that's called Visions. But from what I can tell, there's the section that exists now called Wavelengths. Uh, but w it looked like Wavelengths at that time was like purely like way out there avant-garde film with absolutely no narrative whereas the like kind of stuff that falls in the middle would be in visions whereas i guess once they cut visions that stuff in the middle kind of moved into wavelengths as well uh but the like that is to go from I don't know exactly how it was seen at the time as compared to Wavelengths, but to go from premiering your movie in Cannes competition to then having the next one in, like, not a main section at Toronto for the premiere is very strange. And then he's back in competition with Flanders, which is one of the movies we're going to talk about in 2006, yeah. and wins the second prize again. I know, it's crazy. Uh... Yeah, which is, you know, we've now talked about 
probably over half of the movies uh, in the competition that year. Yeah. I would say many of them are better than this movie, but it's an interesting movie. And then he goes back to premiering a movie at Toronto in 2009, but it's in the special presentation section, which is more of like a... They have their galas, which are the huge, big premieres, and then special presentations is like a step down from that, where it's like, that's a pretty good place to premiere your film. And it like also was at San Sebastian, which is like a competitive festival in the tier right below Venice, Cannes, and Berlin. Uh, and, like, played at New York Film Festival, which is kind of the, like, if your movie is an important piece of world art cinema, it will be in the main slate at the New York Film Festival. And then he goes back to Cannes in 2011, but he's in the Uncertain regard section, which is, like, the... They say it's not the, like, these are not good enough to be in competition <laughs> section... But it's hard to see it as anything else because yeah. they pick the movies in competition and then the other, the movies that they don't like as much, they're like, would you like to be in Uncertain Regard? Also, in English, it sounds like it is Uncertain Regard. <laughs> it's, it translates roughly to A Certain Gaze, yeah. which it's like sounds less T-ball. Right. It's definitely right. it might be called a yeah. little might as well yeah. a little bit of an insult to win the second prize <laughs> twice and then have them yeah. be like, We're gonna downgrade you to the <laughs> thing to, below right. competition. To the, to the one that might as well be called worth a look or take yeah. take, take right. a peek yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah. And then he's maybe mad at Cannes because he goes to Berlin, which is the only of the three like non uh, oh, the only of those three major film festivals that he's been to other than Cannes, the only time he did it. And that is the last film of the kind of very dark, austere era. And the first one that stars Juliette Binoche uh, as Camille Claudel. And then he starts this new era with a miniseries uh, that premiered back in director's fortnight at Cannes called Petit Chin Chin that is like kind of similar to Slack Bay and that it's like a, a a murder mystery with like a lot of comedy elements it's kind of been compared to Twin Peaks a little bit though it's it's shorter it's like it's like five it hours was screened almost. It's like four or five hours. It, it's, it played on TV in France, but it screened theatrically in the United States just as a film. Then he does Slack Bay, and he's back in competition at Cannes <laughs> ten years later. Doesn't win anything with that. And then, yeah, and that, and it, that one doesn't win any prizes. Like, uh, that but year... it's like 2016. Uh, and is like fairly well-received. Uh, despite not yeah, it, it like all basically all of his movies have fans like especially I, I would say more so in France than in the United States but in the United States like higher brow critics tend to mostly like his films and then he so that starts the, the other thing that happens is that starts a run of like 
previously he's made like eight or nine movies over 20 years. Then he all of a sudden, he's going a movie every year. So 2016 Slack Bay. 2017, he has a movie called Jeanette, which is a heavy metal musical about the childhood of Joan of Arc, <laughs> which is maybe not as overtly comedic but is an inherently ridiculous thing yeah. to do <laughs> then he does a sequel to uh Jeanette that's just like a Joan of Arc movie that has some of the heavy metal elements, but then also has some just like more regular. This is just what you expect a Joan of Arc movie to look like. Yeah. And then, so those are four years in a row he has those four movies. Oh, and I missed in between Jeanette and Joan of Arc, he does a sequel to Petit Chin Chin, which is also for French TV. And these are all premiering like all over the place. Like the sequel, the sequel to Petit Chin Chin is called Quan Quan and the Extra Humans, and it uh, premieres at the Piazza Grande at the Locarno Film Festival, which is like this year at the Piazza Grande. Like the movies that are premiering are like either the movies that are playing are either like huge Hollywood movies like the Netflix movie Beckett with John David <laughs> Washington and Free Guy. Or I forget like... that Free Guy is at Locarno. That's so insane. Yeah, that's Well, that's funny because Locarno is kind of other than this Piazza Grande, which is like movies that are just like playing uh, like outside for whoever to just show up. Other than that, its reputation is it's the one where like the weirdest, littlest movies kind of premiere. Uh, but and, and then the other thing that plays on the Piazza Grande is, like, big, like, retrospective screenings. Like, this year, I think it's, like, Heat and Animal yeah. House. That's uh, so and then, funny. <laughs> the yeah. Swiss. And then, in, and yeah, and then this year, he probably would have had this new movie, which is called France Out, last year, which would be five years in a row, had festivals not all been canceled last mm. year or in-person festivals anyway right. uh and it's hard to tell what the kind of pulse is on france because less people uh showed up to Cannes than usual because it was the hard to travel internationally yeah. But then also it played towards the end of the festival, I think, when, like, people, some people had already started leaving even. Right. Uh, but it's going to be at the Toronto Film Festival where I will see it. And then one thing that will be interesting to see as far as the reception is just, like, will it be in the main slate at New York Film Festival, which is movies kind of go in and out of as, like, are there being sort of crowned as like you know there's like 35 movie between 25 and 35 movies in the main slate and new at new york film festival and their mandate is basically other than like a few big premieres get the best 25 to 35 movies that we can get whether they have premiered at some other festival that just aren't out yet right so 
it will be interesting to see if they pick this movie. I think we will maybe have already discussed have that, that main yes. slate. Yeah, yeah, we will have already discussed that in the introduction segment because that main slate should be out later this week. Uh, but yeah, so that is the kind of. And then the other thing with France is that it's he's back. He was kind of away from working with movie stars after Slack Bay, which has Juliette Binoche and then also Fabrice Lucchini and Valeria Bruni Tedeschi. Though Fabrice Lucchini has like a little cameo in the second Joan of Arc movie. <laughs> but then France stars uh, Lea Seydoux. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that will have people having their eye on it. But anyway, uh, we're going to talk about Flanders now. Yeah. Uh, am I the only one who had seen a Bruno Dumont movie? I never had. Before? Yeah, this was my first. I've yeah. seen Slack okay, Bay. Okay, so yeah. Okay, you'd seen Slack Bay. And I'd also seen Slack Bay, and I'd seen the two Joan of Arc movies. So I'd not seen any of the like sad pre- ones. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. fully fully None of sad. The sad ones. Yes. Yeah. I mean this very. was one of the most bleak yeah. and depressing yeah. movies I've seen in a long it, time. It's bleak. Uh it was hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I had yes. trouble getting through this cuz I was so down. And as it became clear mm-hmm. that stuff was going to get worse and worse, I'd be like, "Oh no." Mm-hmm. And like the beginning of a particular sequence would happen, I'd be like, "Oh no." Yeah. And then mm-hmm. when it ended, I was even more sad. And I was like, man, mm-hmm. I know that was quality, but that was rough. That's what That yeah. was my emotional yeah. sort of gut reaction to it. And that was my mm-hmm. introduction to this director. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and we'll talk about it. Like, the whiplash of going from that to Slack Bay, it's like, yes. it's tremendous. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think? Yeah, like, you guys have seen a lot more already films than I have. So what, what what were you thinking? I mean, is this standard fair in a way or what's happening? Um, I mean, no, I think you rarely see something this bleak. Yeah. Was, I mean, uh, there is like the degree to which it can sometimes feel like a parody of a serious, like European art film. I think like there's like definitely. Yeah. Like, and I feel like there that. are people who think that Dumont is doing that intentionally with his early films of like going so far into this bleakness. I don't have enough experience with the early films to kind of make a judgment on that, but I can, I mean, I can kind of see that with this movie of how it's just like, it's so much. Yeah. Um, because yeah. you see the demons, but, yeah. you ever hear of the demons, the French film? No. Was that there was, like a few years ago? Yeah, like three or four years ago. Yeah. I remember. It was another like made. slow, not as bleak, but kind of just like hugely long establishing shots, panning left over beautiful landscape. And then you, then you follow like a child molester for a while and it's like horrific. Yeah. And then like you come back to a separate thread where it's just two kids being ignored by their, father and they're like depressed and the dad is alcoholic and uh, yeah it's like good heavens yeah um, nowhere near as bleak as flanders but Fl- there, yeah, there are there are times <laughs> and i was like oh if i was gonna make fun of a movie that one can it would be this right yes yes exactly. <laughs> it is like it, it's like the epic movie version of itself <laughs> like uh and i mean and also like a very uh, silly side note of like i think emilio in our group dm was like 
I'm going to make so many Flanders jokes and we were like, you will not be making Flanders <laughs> yeah. jokes like, about this movie once you see it. Oh, yeah. You think about Ned Flanders until <laughs> yeah. you're like right. five seconds in. Then you're too depressed right. to yes. remember um, The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It was. Uh, it reminded me a lot of this filmmaker we've talked about a few times, Neri Bilga Ceylan, who's this Turkish filmmaker. Mm. And when it starts, and you know, it's just this guy on his farm, like digging through the dirt or whatever. Uh, it, the way that it like sort of its movement, um, and the way like if the characters that were interacting, it reminded me of his movie, uh, The Wild Pear Tree, which is like. This sort of behemoth, like, three-hour-long movie about this uh, guy, like, rambling about his town, like, his hometown, and, like, having these just long conversations, like, philosophical conversations with everyone. And, like, the vibe of this one starting out, I was, like, thinking of that. And then we – another Ceylon movie we talked about was uh, Climates, which was, like – it's a pretty bleak movie that, like, has similar – right. Has scenes like a, this one. a rape scene in the middle. Yeah, of it pretty, like, well. and like they're it. both like pretty mm-hmm. brutal. Um, and like, so it like it it was reminding me of that a bit of like how that's like a, a yeah. tough sit. Right. Um, we should yeah. maybe then, I, we haven't given like what the basic setup of what Flanders. Sure. Is, so maybe we sure. should do right. that. Sure. Which is essentially that like so like the first like half hour is just about like rural life in flanders right like it like it, mm-hmm. and it's like set contemporaneously right it's like roughly set around when it yeah was made, around right? the i think like yeah because yeah. like i because I, I well so yeah so it's about like this guy who said like essentially his whole thing is like he doesn't isn't able to display emotions at all yeah like it's like a parody or, or i don't know it's some like vision of masculinity right of like you know the man mm-hmm. is not unable to express himself or like whatever mm-hmm. uh he has like a girlfriend he has like a few friends he like works on a farm or whatever and then yeah. uh he and a b- few of his like buddies are end up going to war uh i mean that well the, the first thing that happens is like they get the, they all get the letters mm-hmm. that they're going to go to war yeah. so that first half hour happens like with them all knowing that they're about to go to war and it's it's over a short period of time it's like a few days yeah. it seems like right and the other thing is that his girlfriend just picks up another man yeah. and he almost mm-hmm. doesn't seem to care. Right. And they have sex emotionlessly. Uh, he and his girlfriend mm-hmm. have sex emotionlessly and then she kind of picks up another guy. We don't see sex with him. Although he does seem 2% more happy than yeah. him. Yeah. So <laughs> He's that, like the most charismatic guy in Flanders. I mean, he <laughs> smiles he, like, sometimes. So it's right, like, yes. um, maybe known happiness once. <laughs> and it's real, just kind of strange, like, and transactional. Like, the first mm-hmm. time that is, first time our main character and his girlfriend, she might be the main, I guess they're both main characters, sleep yeah. with each other. It's yeah. like, it's just like, shall we? And then they go to the woods and it's kind of this yeah. very, like, all business mechanical mm-hmm thing and I'm like and I'm watching it and I'm like I guess this is a French art film let's just (laughs) have sex like it's a like it's a burden like it's just some sort of burdensome chore that we must ho-hum our way through but also not be emotionally impacted by um yeah and then she picks up another guy but but then it yeah like 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 Jesse's saying it's um it's all uh um 
in the it's all in the shadow of they they're gonna you know they're gonna leave in three days. Yeah, so right. when you're watching this, you're like, mm-hmm. well, maybe that's causing some weird behavior. Maybe that's like everybody right. is giving each other a lot of mulligans. And it's like, yeah, you can sleep with my girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're all going to war. Um, I don't know. Just, but so. yeah, right. that's the first then, half hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this this guy who his girlfriend picks up is also one of the people like, yeah. in his battalion or whatever. Yeah, so main character guy and second boyfriend guy serve together in the war, yeah. mm-hmm. which is a great time. Yeah. And everyone is super happy. <laughs> right. And it's a, it's a romp. It's a right, romp. Yes. A farcical <laughs> romp through Middle Eastern war. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. A generic Middle right. Eastern Right. It's war. never – not only is it never specified where the war is, uh, in the kind of the one thing that uh, Dumont has throughout all of his films is a lack of subtlety. And so not only is it set in vague Middle Eastern wherever, very early on there's a scene where someone says, oh, do you know where you're going to war? And he's just like, no, I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's it's really interesting. Like, we haven't really come across this and like, other than just in like personal viewing for for me, um, but it's weird to cover like I to think about movies being made politically during that like two thousand six like the the mid two thousands right because like I didn't really think about right. it like when I was younger so I like, wasn't watching like I wasn't gonna watch like this at the time when it sure. came out when I'm in yeah. like sixth grade or whatever but now like going like thinking about it uh, the movie I haven't seen this movie so like you know take it with a bit of a grain of salt. But I kept thinking of Brian De Palma's Redacted, which is like he mm. had a weird 2000s where he like didn't make a lot of movies. I think he made like four, um, but like the Black Dahlia and Redacted are like the two sort of like most ignored because the other ones I think it's Film Fatale and Mission to Mars. Um, but Redacted is like this war movie set like in the Iraq War. Um, I think it's like a, a shot a lot on handy cams, but he did the same thing that he did with Casualties of War, which is the v- the Vietnam movie he made. Uh, that's like these guys just come in. They're like in you know whatever uh, Middle Eastern uh, country war, and they're like just committing war crimes and like raping women and like killing children and just doing like everything. And the way that this was doing the sort of same thing was just like oh they're just like doing all the worst stuff i kept thinking of that movie and like what uh um dumont's like you know sort of commentary by making it like france like in this war um that is you know very reminiscent of like the u.s war you know and keeping it so unspecific like to let you put so much on it Um, right this is premiering like roughly like one year before the surge in iraq yeah which is crazy like yeah it's, it's it, I'm sure that's very much on like a lot of people's minds of like what what uh, how long is this Iraq war gonna last and like yeah and so the the sort of the second two thirds of this film or whatever yes. after the first half hour is like kind of switches back and forth between ho- you know the horrific wartime experiences of our main character and this kind of other guy yeah um uh, which involve both horrible things happening to them and then them also doing horrible things but then it switches back and forth between that and the girl who's still back in the rural community and she's like kind of she kind of like is suffering from like depression and like uh emotional breakdowns right um and it's never totally spelled out like 
why our dude chooses chooses to be violent and evil. It's never totally yeah. spelled out why she is sad. I mean, the world is so horrible that it's not like we we can pick many reasons, yeah. but it's not right. I think it's deliberately not it's not uh literal and linear where it's like, "Oh, this thing happens and that causes yeah. this behavior." It's like here's choices they're making. You the viewer mm-hmm. must infer the the human emotions at play here right it's yeah sort of right. deliberate i think it's deliberately like vague in terms of yeah right. what yeah, is f- the motivation exactly that's causing these things we don't totally know yeah yeah i'll say when i watched it i was left with like that sort of like coldness that it leaves you with and i was trying to fi- figure out why i would i like watched it and ha- left with that feeling and would still say like but that was good, wasn't it? And I, I was just trying to figure out, like, why I fought that. And then I read, like, Roger Ebert's review at the time, which is, like, a sort of great review. And which Yeah, I read yeah. that, too. It has this incredible paragraph of, like, this film has few tangible pleasures, such as somber shots of the master walking far away in a field. Its achievement is theoretical. It wants to depict lives that are without curiosity, introspection, and hope. And I just... I love Ebert. I think he's so good at reporting honestly his emotional experience. Like mm-hmm. he's not always the most intellectual. He's not always interested in like giving the review of record for a film, but I do think he's pretty reliable about I'm gonna honestly tell you what I felt as I watched it. Yeah. And I am a fan of cinema, so uh mm-hmm. I am an engaged audience member and here's what I felt. And I mm-hmm. think that paragraph's a good example of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also he, like he is willing i think there is like this divide among critics that i don't i don't even need think that there is like a correct and an incorrect way to do it but there is like a certain amount of critics who will be like no i'm the person who knows what movies are and i will come to this and i will tell you like whether this meets my standard or not or and there are critics who are like going in there and meeting something on its level and being like this is what it's trying to do i can only like comment on whether i think it's successful or not and i think Ebert often finds himself in the latter. And I think I so, th- too. And mm-hmm. I think if he'll like, rate something on what he thinks its goals are. Yeah. Yeah. Like and he'll I give four stars right. to a car chase action movie if he's like, that was a great car chase action movie. Yeah. Um, and, and I think know, it's whatever. like his reviews are often very useful in clarifying what I feel about a movie because I will often just leave mm-hmm. something being like, Empty head, no thoughts. I just watched yeah. 90 minutes worth of content, and it just scrolled by. <laughs> One of my favorite Ebert sentences is in review of The Master, the um, uh, Paul Thomas like, Anderson. Yes, thank you. Paul Thomas Anderson film, which was beautiful. And I watched it. I was like, God, what do, I don't think I liked it, but it was compelling. What do, what do I feel? Ebert's, I think one of the first sentences, or maybe the last sentences of his review was something like, you watch The Master, it's like you reach out into something to grab it, but when you open your hand, there's nothing but air. And I was like, yes, that is what it felt like. <laughs> I was reaching out for what it was, and then I opened my hand, and there was I expected there to be something, and there wasn't. Uh, that, like, emotionally described what it felt like. He's good, he's good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you, this movie was – I was hating this movie. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I hate how bleak it is. Right. I, mm-hmm. I think I, – again, I didn't know anything about this guy. I was like, oh, is he just Mr. Tough Dude who thinks he's <laughs> so, so important <laughs> and brave for, like, showing violence? Right. Ooh, how how clever and, like, you know, what an intellectual for, you know, showing a gang rape in a war. Uh, again, I have no idea what this guy's real intentions. That that was my yeah. reaction to it. I'm like, right. forget mm-hmm. this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And like, also mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, you not making a commitment to what you think about this doesn't make you smart. It makes you gratuitous. Yeah. It means you're just trying to like, you're. This is essentially a weird snuff film, or some something like a sad yeah. snuff, but instead of death, it's just sadness that we're like. But then mm-hmm. at the end of it, I was thinking about about it a lot, and I was like, I guess the art of this movie is that you have to try to relate to how you might your you yourself might either commit acts of violence or how you yourself might fall apart in sadness or why you might right. why you might agree to what seems like an untenable romantic triangle what would have to be true for you to make the choices that you see being made and you are given enough space or clues that it's relatable or something and I was like I guess that's its art like there's humanity in it but I, yeah. I at the end I was still like I can't believe I have to watch another movie by this guy. I'm going right. to go nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so I respected it, but I didn't love it, which I, I think Ebert was kind of like that too. He's like, he's like, I have to get you to mm-hmm. a high rating, but I don't necessarily recommend it. I think he said something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, well, I'm talking a lot. I'm, you, what do you guys think? Were you mad when you watched this or were you like? I was basically mad at it. Like I, I basically <laughs> did not care for like. It it just like it's one of those things where like I don't know like it like the fundamental like worldview being expressed I think is like not a particularly like helpful one to explore I think like like I don't I don't think I personally don't get a lot out of a movie that's like look at how bad people can be and like like that's like this is like you know this is what the truth of humanity like the, the you know people are are just gonna be able to are just, you know, their circumstances will lead them to be this sort of, like, do the lowest of the low and, and do these, like, horrible actions and things like that. And I sort of, like, just sort of resented, like, having to spend so much time, like, living in that space where all that stuff was happening and, like, feeling like that I was supposed to come out of the other side of it, like, like appreciating that, like, I was able to to see these things. Like, it, that I sort of, like, get very resentful of, like, this is like you have you have ninety minutes of my time right now, and like this is how you're spending it. Of like yeah, making I, me see this. I don't need this, a film to have a purpose or even a message. Certainly. Yeah. I'll say I'm going to express one more time what I didn't like, but I I, I could imagine arguing myself on this. Okay, but yeah. I'm going to take this side, almost just to provoke a discussion. But <laughs> when I was a freshman in college, in a I took a sort of um, a fiction writing class. It was an elective, and so. And if it was mostly guys, I don't know why. Um, patriarchy world, who knows? But I, I say that because everybody had to read their. We were encouraged to write like, I forget what the prompt was, but like an abstract sort of arty piece of fiction. Mm-hmm. And we're, this is the University of Connecticut State School, Middle Connecticut, uh, um, freshman year kids, and then everyone had to kind of like read them. And I, it, to me, it felt like of the thirty people in this class. 25 of them were like and then at the end he kills her like like big dramatic glorious act of violence to elevate their story to something meaningful right Mm -hmm. and these are 18 year olds everyone's an Mm -hmm. idiot they don't have to be good but when i watched this movie i was like this is like the quality version of that class Mm -hmm. it's like and then and then he leaves him to die and then he goes in anyway and kills him 
Now, that's not fair totally to this movie, <laughs> but that's where I was coming from. I was like, again, think you're so tough and smart. But somebody talked me out of that. I would love to be convinced otherwise. I mean, it's inarguably an extremely unpleasant yeah. movie to watch. <laughs> the the level the level on which it works to me is there's the quote that I should have looked up uh, who it is, but it's that uh, it's just impossible to make an anti-war film. By portraying war in film, you just can't be anti-war. Right, you had to... This is the best rebuke to that that I have seen, in that its message seems to be war is not only absolutely evil, but it that evil seeps into everyone that is yeah. involved in it. That's true. And it was so a, it was a very is... effect. I didn't like war going in, and I, and, <laughs> and uh, by the end of it, I was like, if I had children who were like in wartime, I would be like, do not go. There is absolutely no reason. We yeah, will move right. out of the country. We're going on the run. You are not going to waste your life being part of something. As and then that movie brought that feeling forward in a very pronounced mm -hmm. way. Sure. And this is, I believe, the same year or maybe one year after the same Mendez movie, Jarhead, which is about the Gulf War. Uh, but that is like... But it's glorifying, right? It, I mean, yeah. Comparatively, uh, I mean, I think, you know, for like war movies at the time, it's not like... Well, that movie, extremely yeah. horrifying. I to give I Sam Mendes a movie. bit of credit. I know, um, yeah, that movie is like all about like a lot of it is just about like waiting around, waiting for the glory yeah. Stuff uh, like I think like about that war specifically, like yeah. what they knew at the time, and like I think what yeah. the book is based I did, on. I, right. I, did I mean, think the, about Hurt Locker while watching this movie. Hurt yes, Locker. Yes, I was yeah. about to say the same thing. A movie we're more likely to have all seen. I thought about the Hurt Locker too, and they're similarly kind of episodic films. Yeah. And whereas the Hurt Locker is, like, I think fairly effective at being an anti-war yeah. film. It's yeah. like, you know, this sucks. It really damages these people. This film just takes it I mean, yeah, it is way further. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like the Hurt Locker is a movie that I think is, like, anti-war. It's like a weird, like, cross-section of, like, American movies that is, like, sort of anti-war but does, like, respect the troops or whatever. Where it's like, well, these people are just being <laughs> right. damaged by this war and they're being hurt. And it's, like, sort of like a weird, bad relationship with it. Where this movie's takeaway is more like, oh, no, these guys are, like, sort of bad, dumb people who, who are yeah. just looking to get their rocks off and do something bad to other people in other places like th i think this movie has a much more bleak outlook of people coming into war as right. much as it does i mean people coming out of it and having nothing out. like i think they right yeah it's just easy. like yeah it's just like if you participate in war you basically to participate in war you are already evil for having consented to participate in that whether you even whether you understood that or it not it seems like yeah yeah like, right like it seems like they've been drafted in but like still the fact that they are not refusing to do it makes them evil and then you just see them be evil yeah uh, i mean and it's which like and i mean it's also it also like portrays like sort of some of the stuff they do is just like extensions of resentment that they came there with like they came to war with so right just, like weird mm -hmm. sexual frustration and a weird like lack of emotion towards the things happening and that like yeah those the like things that happen are like a blown out extension of them and i think the ending of the movie i did find sort of 
funny i will say it's just like i know this movie is like bleak and not a comedy but like since i am like one of the few people here who watched slack bay first even though i watched it like a year ago at this point mm-hmm. i did like yeah. sort of look at some aspects of it and was like is this like supposed to be funny is this like supposed to be like parodic in some sort of elements because when at the end when she's just like right you let him die and he's like that's right and cries for the first time and shows emotion i'm like that has to be like a mm-hmm. parody of it's like the holiday <laughs> yeah, with cameron right. diaz uh, and yeah i think my i think it is it's just that parody is that satire or parody is like in coming from such a dark place that it yeah it's like the coming from the dark place of just like yeah this guy was part of a thing that did a bunch of terrible like there had all these terrible consequences and had like this these like irreparable consequences on other people's lives and it all just happened so he can maybe get a cry out and that's just like such a bleak slash funny outlook on life that it sort of turned me around on a movie that i was like similar to you guys like most of the way through i was like what is this i don't like this this is so like mm-hmm. rough and harsh that i just like don't appreciate it so there are it's not yeah. above it's not above having a sexy french girl run around in like crop tops and like off the shoulders sh- i was also kind of like uh you're a hypocrite like you're right. trying to act all moralistic mm-hmm. and this but you still have like sexy french girl looking all pouty i don't know there was something it's yeah. like you want yeah. your cake and eat it too like i mean you, you want to be like morally above these things but you also want it. it's also I'm not, gratuitous is not the right word but like pulpy or something it's like yeah fr- i think I it's, it's definitely wor- it's like a movie that is so like bleak and stark that it like almost has to work on a level of like exaggeration and it has to have like her dressing like that so you get like a very rough point even though i do agree with you that that's a problem though the problem like that that mm-hmm. i have with the movie is like a m- thing i've been thinking of recently because it's like i saw suicide squad this weekend which is, this is such a weird com- comparison to make uh, which i saw suicide squad and i was remembering the five bloods and the issue i had with that movie and the thing that colin described was just like i find like people often make these anti-war films that are like look at these soldiers and these people who are doing like bad things and never is there like an extension of like empathy or point or point of view to like the people they're hurting and that is just like always a like issue with me where it's just like yeah you're you're making a point of being like these people who are doing these things are bad you're being like oh america's bad or, or like the french like battalion are bad and these guys are doing like bad imperialistic things but there's like no extension of like like everyone they're hurting is just like a consequence and not a person and that is always something i find like some level of issue with and when you're trying to depict these sort of things Mm -hmm. so i mean so and then this movie would go the opposite way by even denying the main characters that in addition to the people they're perpetrating it upon right like it's like it's it's yeah they also had it's saying no one gets any empathy in 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 this depiction which yeah i don't know i mean I, f- I think you're sp- there's empathy for the girlfriend. I think she gets it rough, but I think, like, it's, like, that... I mean, that's, like, obviously, like, the most sympathetic character. But um, I think... Yeah. I, like, for me, I wasn't really into it at first. I was, like, this is going to be, like, a slow 90 minutes. And it was in a way, but I think once I got into the rhythm of it, because, like the way he sort of the editing of it where you have like 
like feet going through the dirt or like the you know tractor or whatever going through the dirt and then like the humvees or whatever they are like going through the sand and like then their feet going through the, the sand when they're there like it all like it it is episodic in a way and then like you just keep getting like mm-hmm. picked back up in this loop uh i found it to be like pretty uh just like it, it like it just sort of kept going like uh I, I was it was hard to get into but then it when it ended i was like oh wow like we're already at the end like i get really sucked into it and yeah it does I, cast a spell yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean yeah the the rhythm of right. it right um, and and yeah i think part of why it does that is that like and this is something that if what it's doing thematically doesn't work this isn't something that's going to be a saving grace necessarily but like it is something it, it is clearly a movie and this is harder to tell because like the version that canopy has is like looks weird and like yeah. sometimes there's a weird bar at the top but like and is low quality but like it is clearly a movie by like someone who is smart about like where to put a camera yeah yeah, yeah. at the very minimum his mise on sin especially uh, in slack i think is like really tremendous and i think yeah. he is like able to really like He's like he's great at uh, composing these shots, As- like e- especially like in the town of Flanders of like the sort of you know, uh, it's like the movie is bleak, but like the sort of blandness of it all, um, mm-hmm. which I think is like my sort of strongest point in favor for the movie is like how everything like the making the character this sort of emotionless person. Uh, allows for the movie itself to be like just incredibly bland with what it's doing I think that like yes we like 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 I imagine like if you are getting pregnant when you're you know partners at war that is like a tough situation like you're in war you're like doing these evil atrocities like it's this very it happens like every it's like based on uh, like real life time and time again in war like it is just so bland and bleak that I like respect it on that level of just, this is just like a movie. It's like a documentary almost of like it, it, everything. And it just like happens and it, yeah, happen. I guess it and, successfully like, communicated a hopelessness to me. It's like, yeah, like not only are they throwing away their souls. I mean, I'm, I, that's not the way I think about the world, but not only are they committing immoral, horrible acts, but it's to mm-hmm. not even, not even for the good of like, ending hitler it's like i don't yeah, even see what the good right. is of this like yeah there is no mm-hmm. you are you are innocent murdering or damaging other innocents to what end like yeah. who gains like right. um you know you can watch saving private ryan and the opening of it is i thought very devastating and, and effective especially for spielberg but theoretically, that war, at least from a hundred miles out, felt mm-hmm. like it had a purpose. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, should, pl- plenty of reasons to argue not. But like Vietnam, this whatever the, this was, World War One. It's like to what end was the yeah. blood? None. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I mean, my overall take on the movie, and I guess this is going to sound really wishy-washy, is just like. I don't, at least having seen it once and not having seen any of the others of this period of his work, I don't, I couldn't make a a coherent argument 
either that what he is trying to do is a like noble thing to try to do or that what he is trying to do he is doing successfully but he's definitely trying to do something interesting and he's trying to do something and he's trying to do that interesting thing in an interesting way which like that at a base level i'm gonna appreciate more than just like ah, we're gonna throw something out but then also like i do think there are ways in which it is successful at least even if i couldn't argue that it is entirely so i mean i had forgotten that it came out during the iraq war like that kind of gives it Mm -hmm. sort of relevance in a way uh that i forgot about like yeah there were people being sent certainly from america and also from france to that war at the time this comes out like that's there's something gutsy about that move Mm -hmm. right um yeah there's like this is a uh I'm, i'm like saying that i'm a bit positive on it but i'm less so than after i saw it because i feel like slack bay doesn't uh the the thing there's things that he chooses to do in slack bay that makes me want to give him less credit for what i thought he was doing in flanders (laughs) that's interesting yeah 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 Yeah, it's like hard to come down like on like a definitive side on this movie i feel like i think it's like Mm -hmm admirable at doing like uh, like as you said it's admirable at doing certain things it's doing and like a wholehearted commit like committedness to bleak to bleakness Mm -hmm. but i just i feel like some of it is like messy like i think some of like how like as will mentioned like how the girlfriend is depicted is like a little like it's a little non-specific in a way that the entire movie is but it's also like provides less clear like there is a real clarity to the war element to the war half of this movie right. that i feel like the other like, half yeah yeah exactly exactly if you're, yes if you're showing the hell of war in sort of a moving specific scary way it feels like well that's fair and that's tough but like why is she getting railed by like five or six ugly french she's like this beautiful french girl who's just like getting like emotionally less like uh uh what's the active word for this sexed (laughs) by like by like just barely more emotional men (laughs) right like that's not everybody's experience in france right that's not like the way it goes down like the war thing maybe that is like a lot of people's some version of that in like you know some kinds of war but is this like dating in every french village just right. some guy comes over and he's like, I thought maybe I'd go for it. And then they sort of like, right. right. And I have, mean, you talk about how like this movie can at times feel like a parody of a, like a European art house movie. Like those are like the kind of blind spots, I guess you expect there to be in a European mm-hmm. art house movie of like, they're going to be pretty non blase about like the way they do sex stuff. And like that they're, or they're pretty blase, not non blase. And like, th- like they're gonna they're gonna do it sort of in a in a way where maybe it doesn't feel the most respectful of like the especially. I mean, the I, I don't I don't mean to bring in sort of a like what's problematic or I don't I, yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. not even trying to look at it like that. Like, I'm just saying like, what is your 
point there right. about the loneliness yeah. of this village, or yeah. like, or yeah, is it like the I, patriarchy? I, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. The war stuff, I see largely what might inspire this, but like, what's that about? Did you just want a domestic side to parallel this? Yeah, I think it's just the mirroring side? of it. And then, like, yeah, never quite it is it. the mirroring, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. It looks like kind of good for the me. men. The men walk around and just all have sex with the same woman with no consequences, and the women are like sad and hold oh. each other up and like. I mean, a lot I don't know. of them it was, suffer it, a lot of. Well, I don't know. Some of yeah. them, for the some of them guy, face no consequences, and some of in them war. have their yeah, yeah. Uh, in war they face consequences. No, but they explicitly like the woman who they raped, like points at one of them and then they like drag him into a house in in, in again in in war in, uh, in war right uh, in war uh, but yeah there's like, no there, consequence for the there, men there, there, the there's yeah. no there's no oh in the village in the yeah, village yeah, yeah. Okay. oh yeah not I not see. the war village in the in flanders i see in flanders and th- there's there's okay, no commensurate yeah. like sin or raping or anything it's just sort of right. like she seems to be suffering loneliness in her predicament right yeah. and i see and like the people who are perpetuating that or not helping do not suffer anything. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's sort of like, what is that about? Like, uh, yeah, he what does that like, reflect? Yeah. I don't know what that yeah, is. Like He's approaching way, everything with. No, I was going to say, like, the way I would phrase it is like the war stuff and the stuff from the guy's perspective feels very specific and thought out. And the stuff from her perspective just feels like a collection of things thrown together so that, like, she has, like, things to play that eventually will, like, coalesce at the end for when they have to have their emotional reunion i just like i never really have right. a handle on her as a character in a way that feels like mm-hmm. distance and that might be like intentionally so but it just like in contrast yeah, I mean, it's interesting he's just approaching everything with such a coldness that is like incredibly easy to become alienated um like i think especially in the, in the like on her side of it all um well, I guess I was thinking about it. That's always a compliment to a film. If, yeah, if right. It stays <laughs> in your yeah. brain. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. provocative. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's all just a troll. And, like, he was like, <laughs> no one's getting that this is all comedy to me. So I'm going to pivot to, like, classic clownery. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, there might I mean, be, like, a genuine, like, I know you're yeah. sort of saying that jokingly, but it's like there's moments where I watch Flanders and I'm like, this might, this genuinely seems like this just might be, like, a b- like a bit or like he's like trying to make fun <laughs> of these people or he's like trying to like yeah like, Bruno Dumont mm-hmm. is the Andy Kaufman of <laughs> France and he's like I'm gonna like I mean his new movie is literally called France so like maybe yeah. we're all we're stuck in his web yeah I mean it sounds like his new movie is like a direct satire of like the French government and film industry and just like France in general uh but yeah, I mean, like I feel like I, I was reading that his previous film before Flanders Twenty Nine Palms, like people, I, I'd be curious to watch that because I have seen it referred to as like a satire of the kind of like movement that maybe is most classically uh, seen in like Michael Haneke, who is a director that I kind of hate. So if he is like parodying that kind of thing i'd like to see that Mm. but yeah it is like if we're gonna move on to slack bay it's like 
he goes from this like in inscrutable just like so dark to like i'm just gonna do the goofiest shit and like i know like people some people are just like he was good at doing the other thing and now he's good at doing this thing i think some people are like what is he doing now he's gone crazy i know like the big reaction i know of is like richard brody at the new yorker has said like this is one of them after like he did like i think this was in his review of slack bay so after he's done slack bay and Petit Chin Chin, which are the two movies in this kind of mode, he was like, this is the most stunning example of a bad filmmaker becoming a good <laughs> filmmaker I've ever seen, which is very funny to hmm. think about in the context of those films, uh, especially that, like, your assumption stays that there's, like, no self-awareness in those early theoretically very serious films but yeah so slack bay which is his comeback to can competition mm -hmm. 10 years later which is interesting because like not having looked at that list of where all of his movies have been like i thought of him as someone who like he's in can competition a lot like not every movie but most of them yeah, like a ken but it really type. is like he's made like 15 movies and four of them have been in competition at can yeah and we talked uh, about this one like a little bit when we did our 2016 bit, draft. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, 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 yeah. it's wild. Um, <laughs> it is. It's a crazy movie. I mean, it is about these, uh, you kind of have three different groups of people that you're looking at. You have these rich people who are all played largely played by at least all the adults are played by like famous actors Juliette Binoche obviously is like the most internationally easily one of the yes. five most famous actors in France uh weirdly the couple uh Fabrice Lucini and Valeria Bruni Tedeschi I think are both you can tell by their name like the French children of Italian immigrants mm. to France, which is a specific thing for them both to be. Yeah. But they're also both, like, famous actors. Like, Fabrice Lucini, like, was making movies with Eric Romare in the 80s. And yeah. We've talked about Valeria Bruni Tedeschi before. She's directed her own movies, but, like, also she's worked with, like, Claire Denis. Yeah. And she's even done, like, some American stuff. Like, she's in Munich. Mm. Uh, right. Yes. A small role. <laughs> But yeah, and then you have uh, these um, people. So they are vacationing in like the French coast in this like huge ridiculous house. Right. Then you have these people who live in this village, who pretty early on you find out are cannibals. Yes, uh, and they, I believe, are all played by people who are at least the t at the time non-professional well that's actions. the thing i didn't know that um because i believe i guess that's the same sort of thing with flanders yeah and, the, or, uh, the, and that's like right he works with non-professional actors do that a lot, lot. Um, yeah and like Pet uh, petit chin chin is like all non-professional yeah. actors i think and like the then the other people you have are these two investigators uh who uh 
are aware that there are people disappearing in this town, but not that uh, it's because there are cannibals in the town eating them. Hmm. Uh, and, like, that, and it's unclear, like, where they came from and, like, why this is the first they're noticing it. Uh, the first time, because it seems like this family has just, like, been being cannibals for a while. Uh... All right. Uh, but yeah, so. What was I going to say? Yeah. I mean, it's a whole lot of movie. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, there's a lot right. of stuff going on. Like, the, I, I think that they kind of fall somewhere in the middle. Like, I think the, the main guy, the guy who has more. Uh, more lines and who's like the weird squeaky guy uh, he I think his <laughs> only acting role before this was in Petit Chinchin so he'd acted before but was like one of these people who Dumont had found and cast mm-hmm. this is the thing and like I think oh, go ahead, go ahead. and then I was gonna say in terms of non-professional actors I think also the child of Juliette Binoche who is gender fluid is someone who I, her, her, she, they go by just I believe she is a a woman the actress playing that character Rafe. but just goes by the name Raph Rafe. or Rafe yeah. one of them mm-hmm. uh, R-A-P-H and I think she is someone who like wanted had not been in a film before but wanted to act because she has like been in just like other non-weird Bruno Dumont films (laughs) since this yeah um uh but yeah it you know it like and I mean like just like you described the plot the other I mean the the performance style like stylistically the plot is almost immaterial it's like, like yeah. so incredibly heightened it's like yes i mean it's essentially like i was watching the first 30 minutes like essentially like oh they're just like doing like commedia dell'arte like archetypes like they're doing like like mm-hmm. like classic like they're like picking like a weird body part to lead with and then like talking mm-hmm. in a funny voice <laughs> and like yeah. uh yeah. and like making big funny faces like they're playing to the cheap seats like it's like yeah. an extremely mm-hmm. theatrical elevated performance style mm-hmm. for basically everyone in the movie unless you're like one and although some of the characters are like more reserved and like mute but they are also do that in an ex- slightly exaggerated way yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah i mean it's like I think this is a thought I had with the first time I watched it, but it's like all of the rich people that all, all of that has like the pitch of like the segments of Harry Potter when he's like living with his like with his like uncle's family yeah. or whatever. It's I like, mean, yeah, <laughs> it's like muggles, Monty yeah. Python. <laughs> right. It feels like a sketch yeah. movie a, a lot. Yeah. Right. Like F- Fabrice Lucini, especially like he feels like he's doing like an Adam Sandler. Almost. <laughs> like like Adam Sandler would play that character. Yeah. Uh, which is funny for this, like, you know, I guess if he's doing Romare, those movies are ostensibly comedies, but they're very respectable kind of French comedies yeah. as opposed to you have all these very, it would be, I mean, like, the closest thing in terms of, like, what actors are doing is it's, like, uh, movie 43. Like, <laughs> yeah. All it's these like a fairly brothers movie. Famous, respected actors to just do the most ridiculous <laughs> things. Except, it, 
I think at least it's I don't know. It's so weird. I, it's successful at being funny. At least. Yeah, I think there are a lot of funny scenes in it. Uh, I find it very funny. I think just like mostly the physical stuff. Yeah, and like especially you love like stick. the especially sure especially like I think Lucini and Benoche are giving and Tedeschi, Bruni Tedeschi too, are all giving, like, very, very funny performances. Which one I find... is the big guy who's the detective? Uh, his name is... That guy is so funny. <laughs> yeah, I think he's funny, too. He, yeah. the first time he falls and <laughs> rolls down the hill yes. is so funny, and the fact that Which he... you're saying the first time, because it happens I mean, it happens so much. Um, and when he first is he... on his side checking out the crime scene is also quite funny. <laughs> yes. I mean, right. th- again, yeah. uh, Dumont's composition, like this one, I think, because like it's a more popular movie. There's like better quality uh, oh, versions sure. of it out there. Right. There was like and it, some of that's just it came out. And, yeah. And it, and it being that as well. Uh, it looks great. It's like a very good looking yeah. movie. I think the location yeah. and the sets like are all very like this weird sort of austere but still elegant and like uh, especially right. the, the yeah the name of the actor you were looking for Cullen is uh, DDA Desprey I mean yeah what a performance and I think yeah. a lot of it has to do with the fact that when he walks he sounds like a big balloon and then at the end of the movie he turns into a big balloon yes <laughs> yeah yeah, I hated that character so much. I like it's just the worst like fatty fall down sort of shit that I absolutely it's, hate in like yeah. comedy. Like it's it is kind of both. That's, I mean, bo- that is that, but that is an archetype for a reason. So like, there's moments when they do. It. I mean, it's like those two cops were like Laurel and Laurel, basically. Yes, yes, it's funny. Um, it's very. Or sorry, short. Hardy and Hardy, really. More. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, like mm-hmm. just both klutzes, but um. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's like there's also yeah. a lot of pretty girl fall down. There's lots of falling down. In sure. this People are falling down <laughs> yes. all over the place. Right. Everyone falls down. This, uh, when it started, but I was a, like. The, if Flanders is like the parody of like the bleak art film with like, we shall show sex like they are animals and yeah. they shall not even smile or notice. Um, this is like the parody of the French comedy where it's like, oh, right. oh, oh. <laughs> like I expect, to, I expect like to go into the bathroom and there's like a bathtub with feet and a guy with an enormous mustache scratching his back is caught, you know, in a, in a compromising position with like a 19 year old and the father of the 19 year old is opening the bathroom door and everybody's looking at the camera with their mouths like wide open. Like there's that energy in this. Yeah, it's not it's, exclusively it's very... that. It's better than that. It's weirder. It's more like it's like when David Lynch tries to do comedy. Actually, like <laughs> Twin Peaks has like funny scenes, and they're so mm-hmm. broad. Yeah, like, have you guys seen mm-hmm. all of Twin Peaks? Yeah, uh, the, all yeah. the first two seasons. Um, the second season has all these like comedic things where it's like yeah. I've I've got the I've oiled these curtain runners so they don't squeak and there's all this <laughs> yeah. physical comedy of a character her like being the cheerleader with, yeah that she becomes a cheerleader and like it's big and broad and it is yeah. it's kind of funny mm-hmm. in that big broad physical stuff is funny but it's more just like weird that it exists in the context of Twin Peaks is yeah. the funniest thing right? and there's something like this too this like bleak removed directorial style 
mm-hmm. has got a Laurel and Hardy cop duo in it. It's like, yeah, it's almost like right. you raise your eyebrow. You're like, that's odd. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the funniest thing. It, 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 it would like, be like Adam Sandler's in your European art film, and it's like, go, yeah, go big, Adam. Don't hold back. Right, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's um, like I here's mean, yeah, my it, father, it, Opera Man. Um, yeah. <laughs> goat it, it boy is my cousin of, and whatever yeah this doesn't <laughs> yeah. yeah this does have the energy of a movie where like one actor should be playing seven people i mean it's the clumps this is what yeah. i said <laughs> me and andy were talking about this because he was i was like do you hate the clumps too and he was like yeah <laughs> was like, oh okay then <laughs> then i have like, no <laughs> argument to defend this <laughs> <one>. <laughs> yeah yeah the, the clumps was my right. the clumps <laughs> was my Trump last card. resort yeah. to defend this <laughs> yeah. That's like that's the baseline. Like if you like the clumps or not, I'll be able to. We can go from there. Um, but I mean, it is just like that stuff. I'm like all in, uh, enjoying the movie. I think Benoche. Mm-hmm. is way more enjoyable than Flanders. My God. Like, I mean, yeah. I, this yeah, I would. It's definitely. I mean, yeah. I would recommend it more red, like easily, but it would be like so far down the list <laughs> because I think I do sort of. I don't, at the time, like, it's hard to sort of put it on Dumont, but it's, it's hard for me to give him any credit for the stuff with the uh, gender fluid character in the movie. Like, I feel like it is, yeah, it's so, like, not his place. Like, it's, like especially the, the attack is, like, I think as brutal... As some of the stuff in Flanders. Yeah, where does that and come like, from? Like, what is that? What is that even doing yeah. in this film? Like, it feels. I mean, I guess it's surprising. Right. Yeah. So there's something and then, to like, say for I, that, right. and I guess it's like. It's not that there's not truth, in yes. the anger there of society sometimes. So I guess that's also, not shying away from the seriousness. Right. Uh, but, also, but there's something yeah. clumsy about it. There's something like. Yeah. There's something like old man who's like, eh, I think I'm going to give my take on this. And it's like, maybe, maybe you don't know. Right. Yeah. And also it kind of undercuts it. Cause like at the end, it sort of feels like they're maybe going to like form a connection again or something. Yeah. It's supposed like, to, I think it's supposed to be this like right. moment of triumph, but I, I don't think it earns it at all. Um, and I think like this sort of um, the clumsiness comes from him trying to do too much. Like he is doing the sort of, the broadest comedy you can and then also like this sort of Boonwellian like surrealism uh Mm -hmm. and then also trying to add this sort of you know this 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 hate crime I think like the furthest it can go is the cannibalism which even like at this like that is like a, a a tough ask already and then to go like this far as well, like I don't think he, and maybe I'm discrediting it, like not giving him enough credit, and maybe I'll see more of his movies and find the balance. But I don't think he has like the faculties to pull that off at all. Sometimes it feels like these movies. I say these movies. I mean like art movies. Yeah. Are like, I will pick five difficult subjects, uh-huh. point my camera mm-hmm. at them, uh, with some degree of realism. But I will do none of the intellectual work to to build roads to them or between them. And just you, the audience, will create the juxtapositions and do the work. But in a way, it's like, well, that's lazy, right? You're you're (laughs) skipping 
your yeah. job. You're, yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's almost mm-hmm. just like a um, just because you're choosing. Hard you're you're doing an art installation, yeah. and you're hanging different paintings on the wall, which are beautiful. But you are doing no work of which painting is next to which and why you put them in a room together, and like it feels like you're saying that you're being artsy, but maybe you're just being lazy uh, and calling it art. But I don't know. I thought about this one too, so I'm a f- I'm full of shit. <laughs> There's, yeah. I mean, so, sometimes I watch these movies and I'm like, do movies have to be this hard? Right. Like, <laughs> like. I think of The Third Man as a movie that is just like a potboiler, page-turner, fun movie that you can watch a bunch of times in a row, and it's beautiful, and it's a good yarn, and the characters make surprising decisions. And I'm like, yeah, how come, I, how come they can't all be like that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's dumb. We should have a wide range of attempts and sure. things we're trying in films. But I, this is I'm, – I'm making fun of myself. Like I'm, When I'm watching a movie, I just – I get like a lazy old man sometimes, and I'm like, who's the good guy in this? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, like, I think Dumont is someone who, like, makes interesting movies yeah. from what I've seen. But, like, there are people who make the types of interesting movies that he makes that I think are better yeah. at it. Uh, there is something. Even though, like, you know, like, I'm not going to, th- I'm certainly not going to throw out a movie that I laughed at as many times as I <laughs> laugh at Slack Bay. But, like, I think of, like, we're going to talk about Annette in a couple weeks, the new Leos Carox film. And I think we've mostly, a lot of people have probably seen Holy Motors, which is previous film. Yeah, Holy Motors it's has like, a. Dumont is not operating anywhere on near the level that Leos Carox no. is. Holy Motors. Um, Jesse, which we've talked about on diff- on a message board, which made me laugh that you mm-hmm. recommended it, but I, I actually didn't mean to laugh at it because I totally mm-hmm. respect that choice. I, I should bring this up. I went on a message board that Jesse and I are on, and I asked for a movie recommendation, <laughs> and I d- did not say what I was thinking, which was I want a fun, easy movie to watch. I did not say that. I said <laughs> recommend a good movie, and then Jesse's first suggestion was, first suggestion was Holy Motors, and then somebody else seconded it with like, oh yeah, Holy Motors. I think it was the other way around. Someone else okay, okay. listed a bunch of listed like several like weird art, which movies. included Holy like, Motors. Oh yeah, out of those, Holy Motors is the really great one. And Holy Motors is a really yes. affecting and great film, but it made me laugh to mm-hmm. think of in 2021. You walk into a room of people and be like, guys, got any movie recommendations? Oh yeah, Holy Motors. It's like what? <laughs> yeah. You were all talking about Holy Motors, but. <laughs> Holy Motors is like got a really good balance of like disturbing stuff and fun stuff and warmth and true mm-hmm. humor and cinematic beauty and like right. surrealist stuff that makes you think. Yeah. And it doesn't really complete its message, but it gives you it gives you it's got enough of a theme of variations on a theme mm-hmm. that I dig it. You know, I have the same problem with music though. I like Mozart more than Beethoven, so I might just be a lightweight <laughs> is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> the um the thing that it reminded me of, which is like an odd comparison, because I really love the movie I'm going to compare it to, but it it reminds me in the way that he is doing this sort of comedy thing, uh, and like going as like as broad as he does with it, um, but he still like can't help himself, and I think he like cons- thinking what I think about Flanders, like I think. He wants to get the sort of evil of man in there, and some uh, some some section that he has to like indulge himself. It reminded me just like that process 
reminds me of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is like a movie I love, but it's like the, a complaint that people have about that movie is like it's good until Tarantino has to do his Tarantino thing and have all this like pointless violence, as like a, a, a person criticizing it would say. Which like I will defend Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like a lot in that regard, but with Slack Bay, I'm like he can't just like make this like goofy comedy like. You you had me basically, and then you had to do this, and you just like lost me completely. You think Once Upon a Time in America is clump esque? Yeah, you think yeah, it yeah. reaches the level that, of yeah. the clumps? Do you think it's as good as the clumps? Uh, what's better, that, Once I Upon mean, a Time in America, or the clumps? <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I'm, I'm I'll go clumps for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could you put the clumps into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Go. Hey, did you I like? Would it, would it make it better? <laughs> <laughs> well, did you like Hateful Eight? Uh, I I did at the time. I haven't seen it since though. But I also was like, see, Hateful Eight's an example of a movie that I also mostly enjoyed it when I went to see it. But it like vanished from my brain the next day. Like I can, there's certain sequences and things that, but it's like kind uh-huh. of gone. Like I think I could recite Pulp Fiction, yeah. you know, because it like mm-hmm. sticks and parts of Reservoir Dogs and even parts of Jackie Brown. But like Hateful Eight and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I I, I really enjoyed that film. And there's certain sequences that are sticky uh yeah. but hateful eight is like gone i'm like oh did i even see it i mean I yeah I it mean, is hateful a weird eight, one. <laughs> hateful eight, i almost have the opposite problem that i do with slack Bay, where it's like hateful eight, every time i think about like what it's trying to say and like the dark stuff i enjoy it and like the sort of the conversation about what it's trying to have of like power dynamics i enjoy it. and then like whenever i watch it i'm like oh this has like 40 minutes of tim roth being like "Ooh, i am a british doctor and this is what i am doing <laughs> yeah i just like roll my eyes and I don't enjoy yeah, you it. want to take the slack bay out of hateful eight yeah <laughs> yeah I took us away from slack yeah, bay let's I mean, get back yeah. to that I'm, I apologize no, <laughs> no, no worries I no mean, I mean I no you're mad I can tell <laughs> I watched this uh, I watched this like last year and I did not rewatch it because I did not have time but I my takeaway was basically the same as Cullen's where it was like yeah I find a lot of it funny and then when it tr- it, it, it like messes around with like that character i'm just like i don't why is this in here this is like so yeah. unnecessary this is like yeah not operating on the level i think he thinks it is and it's just like jarring which is like maybe the point but i don't think it's interesting in context of what yeah. the movie is doing i guess there are filmmakers that you're glad they exist because they've got the guts to walk off the path but it doesn't yeah. always mean it's an enjoyable walk it doesn't always mean you want to go with them every time like you're happy that they're out there, little robots taking another swing at it because they're the people who are going to produce something truly original. But the other side of the coin of that is you get sometimes stuff where it's like, really? An hour and a half of two guys walking in the desert and nothing happens? <laughs> and you say that's brave? Gus Van Zant, Jerry? <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess, hey, if you got to do that to get me Drugstore Cowboy and um, uh, all right. That that that's a fair trade. Yeah. yeah. Like I mean, I'd be interested to see Dumont's other movies to see like how he like grew like may like I I don't know I prefer Flanders as a movie to Slack Bay. Um but I don't know like if there's like a movie that is just like a pure sort of uh silly movie like or wacky movie like the the best stuff in slack bay i think is then that might be like my preference for dumont yeah and i've, I've my seen... favorite okay 
my favorite movie is 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 the childhood of Joan of Arc musical. I think that movie is just like you know, it's dealing with Joan of Arc, so there's some serious stuff, but it's mostly just like, oh wow, there's like weird, interesting, funny stuff happening and there's weird heavy metal music. <laughs> And this dancing is interesting. Andy would hate it because uh, it has his two least favorite things, which is uh, non-professional actors and people not taking the art of the musical seriously. I mean, yeah, maybe, 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 maybe that'll be a, something someone forces me to watch one day. And I'll, I'll yeah, it, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I can see what Colin said. Where it's like. I had a better time watching Slack Bay, but Flanders is maybe the mo- more coherent movie out of the two of them. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I just don't mind incoherent. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. This, I can. I I do like. I can really enjoy like a messy movie that like has like a lot on its mind. It's like I I just I don't. Know, I think something about the execution, like the the thing that I was walked away with, like I think this was like there the use of music in in Flan, in a slack bay uh it's like there's a few use points where there is like a big like orchestral cue and i think it's well done but i think it needs like more music just to like help me get on its wavelength or something like that like i think a lot about like i think it was like i think this is like an emily vanderwerf take or something about about like multi uh, single cam sitcoms versus multi-cam sitcoms and like how single cam sitcoms often have like something that compensates for there not being the live studio audience so that you get the laughter and like how it can often be like the music or like the mockumentary style or something like that like i feel like there's something that is like not connecting me to the comedy in slack bay at all and i think like the the, it's just a stylistic choice that like doesn't read to me as comedic at all and i think that's maybe where i find some distance from 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 that movie and why i don't totally get on its wavelength yeah the yeah i mean that's reasonable comedy is just very subjective so like i don't really know i mean it just like it works on like a very very base like three stooges level for me there's a a story i heard on a podcast once so like apologies if i'm getting details wrong but it was just a story of people who were like in a writer's room for that sasha baron cohen movie the brothers grimsby and mm-hmm. there was a guy who was like writing there who was like i like like six foot four or something like uh, like pretty tall and i guess sasha baron cohen was just like obsessed with him and would like make him stay next to shorter people because he found it so funny like doubling <laughs> over himself just laughing and i think like bruno dumont is like yeah it's so funny to see this big round guy just roll down a hill and he's like it's funny to like have this old man shoot off in like a homemade uh like mm-hmm. prop plane and just like fly across the ship and then no one can find him and it's like how base of like how base the sort of humor of that is right sure. it, it just adds to the sort of whiplash mm-hmm. of it all yeah. that it's like yeah i mean sasha baron cohen is right like it's funny when aaron judge stands next to jose altuve sure. uh, if you watch baseball uh <laughs> but yeah it is just like yeah juxtapositions I, are it funny. works for me and like yeah, the 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 sort of uh, like pratfalliness of it, where like characters will just like shoot up in the air like a hot dog and then fall down. It's like it is just like funny. <laughs> like I think, um, and then when even like at the sort of on the other end of it that I maybe like not giving it credit for is like the sort of brutality of like them netting everyone up is 
like it's 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 really visceral like at the end when they're like spinning around with that big wooden pole and like bonking everyone on the head it's like it's intense but it is also that level of silliness where it's like a cartoonish like fred flintstone wooden stick bonk on the head right and they're like dead but it is like it's just brutal or like the scenes of the cannibalism where it's like i mean yeah it's not even like sweeney todd like grind them up into pies like they're just like <laughs> eating a foot like yeah. the mom comes out and like who wants the big toe like i have yeah the foot yeah right yeah here. like yeah it's and they're apparently eating these humans raw um yeah it's you know that stuff i think is, is interesting the cannibalism angle um if the clumps were cannibals, is that a step up or a step down for the clumps? I, I mean, if would you is, would you come back to the clumps if I, I told might, you I mean, there's it, a clump sequel and they're cannibals? And they're cannibals. <laughs> That's why they're so like cartoonishly big. It's, it's, it's a the, new the, turn for the clumps. No, right. they've never done it before. Sure. They, right. Okay, okay. Yeah. they've discovered. They, their, they here's what happens. Here's my pitch. Okay. The clumps. The clumps go to a slaughterhouse uh -huh. and they're so moved by the murder of animals they go <laughs> vegan but they immediately begin starving with hungry because they're so fucking fat they can't deal with only eating measly vegan food so uh -huh. their compromise is to eat people because people deserve the brutality not animals uh -huh. so the rest of the movie is the clumps hunting and eating people do you watch that movie Yes, I probably would go see wow. the movie. Yeah. How could I you mean, not? I mean, you right. got to see it. You got to yeah. see it. I got to see what hurts. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's going to work, but I got to go. Uh, yeah. I got to go see the club seat Manhattan. And I got to you know, know, yeah, how they call call back to Hercules, Hercules. And with that <laughs> yeah. The galaxy like, brain the of being so vegan that you're a cannibal is very funny. Of like, <laughs> That's this what is Raw so is. far in the That's direction. The like, I'm getting is. back at the humans. <laughs> I'm not going to not eat meat, but I'll not eat like farm animals poor meat. defenseless animals they don't they can't yeah. fight back they're right, they're not yeah. smart enough but i'll eat a wrestler yeah <laughs> wrestler had a shot oh <laughs> yeah the clumps yeah. i'm glad we get so much clump talk <laughs> about slack and i will say if you're gonna put ned flanders in one of these two movies it's gonna be slack bay he'd get I mean, much more into that's slack ironic bay yeah yeah <laughs> There's a, they, they, right. There is a weird religious angle to, to Slack Bay also, where right, we yeah. haven't really True. discussed that much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, also, like, the sort of, we alluded to it a bit, but, like, the main, or not main, but, like, one of the main characters is, like, one of the children of the sort of village family um, falling in love with the uh, child of Juliet Binoche, and he, like, finds out that they're, like, gender-fluid and have you know like male organs and instantly like turns and mm -hmm. just uh att attacks him in the water and like a really brutal sequence where like the sort of pov of him beating that character up um and then like i think andy said like th there's a bit of a reunion like they are like captured and netted and are going to be eaten um and, and, and yeah i mean it is it's like the the pivot there is uh yeah i mean it's like interesting in a way it's like there's like a lot of angles to this movie because there's like a religious element there's like a class element you could certainly read it sure. yes yeah. just like the different ways of like these like poor village people and that they're cannibals and these like rich farcical people and the way that like comedy is extended to the both of them but it, yeah. it's just like 
I don't know. It, it's just like weird to develop any sort of take beyond just like thinking about it a bit. Because like, and you said like, yeah, you're fine of a movie's messy, which is like I'm fine if it's messy also. But I think the problem with the messy turn this movie takes is that it makes me question like. Well, am I supposed to be laughing at the rest? Because it's like, is this funny? Is this like supposed to be brutal? It's just like, a, it's a, like a turn so harsh mm-hmm. that it sort of like makes me rethink the entire movie, which is like a problem. Yeah. Like, it's not just that it's incongruous. I think it's just like actively like difficult mm-hmm. to put like to, to reckon, to reckon with, the with, yeah. with the rest of the movie. Which I think yeah. is what the problem is. Yeah, it, it kind of breaks it. it. Like you couldn't enjoy singing in the rain if two yeah. thirds of the way through singing in the rain he ate a boy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like you couldn't go back. You know what? Right. To singing in and the then rain. It's like let's do make him laugh. Like yeah. dignity, always Much dignity. Like the I, mean, I, 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 I don't know. I might enjoy. I might watch that movie. <laughs> it would be funny and I'm sure he wouldn't actually answer it, to ask Bruno Dumont, which of your movies do you expect people to find funny? Right. Because it is like he has these early movies where they're so bleak, but like maybe they're making fun of something. And then now he has these late movies that are like, have very outwardly funny things, but like end up being maybe equally bleak. And I would be extremely curious how like, how does like a France crowd react to a Bruno Dumont movie? Like, like oh, this movie Slack Bay was nominated for a number of things. Sure, like it was nominated for their best picture. Right. So, like, is it like an art house hit is here, or is it like does it like does everyone go out and see the new Bruno Dumont? Comedy yeah. Is it and, like, is it Moonlight or stuff? Dumb and Dumber? Like, right. is it like <laughs> sure to uh, the opposite movie? <laughs> Well, I, I, I guess I could do better than that. Is it Moonlight or is it Forrest Gump? I guess. Like, is yeah, it like, right, yeah. is it like a well-regarded, you know, hit, or is it sort of like a well-regarded, eh, you know, not everybody's gonna go yeah, see it's this because like, it's is a it bit critically rarefied. acclaimed or like a populist film? Like. Yeah, yeah. That's all I mean. Uh, I am looking up the French the... box office results. Yeah, yeah. Which I'll we, say this while you're doing no that. Context for like while, how, while you're how... looking that up, I'll say that sometimes these make the first. Dire- I mean, because you guys have so much deeper film knowledge than me, but it reminds me of Lars von Trier movies where I'm like, okay, I can see you're talented, but are you like mad at me? Like, right. do you <laughs> want me to be miserable? Is that like right. your deal? Like you wish me to feel bad and unpleasant? Did I do something to you, Lars von Trier, so that you just have to make me feel bad for hours on end? Like it, the, some of the, sometimes movies yeah. feel hostile toward yeah. the audience mm-hmm. in a way that I'm like, I don't know. Everybody, everybody yeah. likes to shit on I, yeah. some movies, but like some of them, they're just not mad at me. Right. Yeah. It's like, come on, the, dude. Cl- like, the I, clumps I paid, is not yeah, mad at me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I paid fourteen fifty. I like came out to the theater. Like, yeah, that all like. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. but I'll say about Van Trier that he made the House of Jack built, which is like literally the like movie where it's like about a despicable person doing very bad things that I find very funny and enjoyable to watch. So it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just so looking looking at the box office, the highest grossing. French movie in France, which this is at number two behind the portion of money that The Force Awakens made. Wow. 
after the beginning of the year when it had been in release for two weeks is called Le Touche 2, The American Dream. This is the thing. Uh, I lived in Germany for like a, a little under two years. And like if you go on like YouTube or whatever where they have like the recommended movies to rent, they're all like franchise movies that I, like you've never heard of in America that are just right. like, you know, weird German like – uh, like Tom Clancy esque franchise that is just not a real, well, <laughs> not so real. This this one sounds like it might that be just be uh, the French version of the Clumps. Uh, the, oh my the Summary for this movie is the Touche's youngest son Donald goes to the United States to study. The rest of the family decides to pay him a surprise visit oh. for his birthday, but things do not go the way they play. They go awry, you say? That, I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. that's very funny. So this made uh, $32.5 million <laughs> in France. It made $3 million in the rest of the world. Uh, but this is the its the highest-grossing French film. It's the second highest-grossing film in France. Right. Uh, Slack Bay is down. Where was it? At eighty four. Not... It made like a little over four million dollars. Okay. So it's not nothing. Uh, yeah, right. It's definitely not Forrest Gump, right. but it's probably also not quite. I mean, it's maybe the only reason it's Moonlight is that Moonlight is was One probably like the sure, second right, yeah. or third most successful. Moonlight did really yeah, well. Like, like Moonlight, everybody. Yeah. Right. Everybody had heard of Moonlight, even if they didn't yeah. see it, which is not true of right. a lot of. I mean, I doubt that's even true. Like, if what was it? If Beale Street could talk. Or if Beale, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, you can right, that one. The yeah. marketing, <laughs> obviously, uh, Annapurna was like in a tailspin at that point. Um, yeah, I mean, like looking at movies that it's near, it's like it made slightly less money than the BFG. Okay. It made more money than the Point Break remake. Okay. It made more money than uh, The Shallows, the uh, Shark. the Yam Colette Sarah yeah. Shark movie. Sure. All right. It's like, it did it's okay. right. it's not bad. I mean, like, the similar, like, it made more money in terms of, like, uh, more arty movies like it made a little bit more money than L. <laughs> was the movie that won the Cesar. Right. So like, was L good, man? I heard everybody go nuts eight. for L. I uh, think I mean yeah. We're mostly I think Andy doesn't like it. I, no, I like it. Okay, yeah. it's like a similarly tough yeah. movie to like. It's it's like yeah. approaching Flanders level of like. Oh really? Yeah. Forget about it, man. I've had. I can't do it. I yeah. gotta. <laughs> I mean, I gotta go I watch mean, Ted Lasso. I hate to say it. I don't I even mean, like Ted Lasso, <laughs> but I gotta go. It has difficult content in it, but I think it's a lot. It has a lot more life to it than Flanders. It's more playful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's like yeah. That's like a. It's like a Fincher Verhoeven being like very smart. I think. Yeah. Uh, and like also like that movie has like him the reason that it works for a lot of people is that it like he gives a lot of rope to Isabel Huppert to like really honestly play that character yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean it, I guess it's but, also similar in, the, in that it's a movie that that it's like so this is like sort of serious but it's also sort of making fun of itself in a way that you're just like it's much more uh, like right uh you know overt that it's like there's I think yeah like I think it is kind of making fun of the sort of French comedy of manners as opposed to the like super goofy it's like if you enter inserted brutality into like 
nonfiction, yeah. the Asai Asai movie. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah. Is that it? I think. I, bl- I mean, look, are there any I closing think that thoughts might on be a, Slack yeah. Bay I mean, or yeah. Dumont as yeah. a whole? I guess, yeah. We, we mentioned that uh, Flanders won the Grand Prix yeah um at that festival which we've talked about yeah i mean his so he's had now four movies at can the two from the serious period both won the top the second prize the two from the comedy period won nothing so like that's from the can jury so like kind of a group of like international directors and actors Clearly, the international, you know, it's a small sample size, but, like, the sort of international film artist community seems to have a clear preference. Yeah. Uh, Dark stuff always gets more critically regarded than comedies. Yeah, Yeah, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, he he always just, like, yeah, he's always just seemed like, like, this is maybe a little more insulting than I meant, meant, mean it to sound, but he's, like, a B-tier guy, where he's just, like, there's a bunch of, like, important, <laughs> like, international auteurs, and he's, like, a step or two below that. And that's, like, fine, because he makes good and, in- like, interesting movies, yeah. but it's, like, I don't think he'll ever get the respect of somebody, like, a Nanny Moretti or, like, another person on that level. Or, like, a, even a Carex, even though Carex sure. doesn't make that many movies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... He maybe is, like, he's not... Is he one of the absolute most important uh, filmmakers working today? No, but, like, even kind of regardless of reviews, I'm usually going to be interested in seeing a new Bruno Dumont movie. Sure. Uh, Which is... Yeah. That's something to see. I can see that. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. This is sort of like... Yeah, there's, like, that level, again, with a lot of international tours, where it's just, like... You respect the process, even if it doesn't really yield something that you, like, fully love in your heart or, like, fully can wrestle or grapple with. There's just, like, he's not, he's doing it like nobody else. And it's, it's like, worth watching. Mm-hmm. And All right. With that. Well, if we're done talking about movies. Uh, Will, thank you so much for yeah, being oh, here. Thanks for asking. Uh, I, I'm flattered to be asked. I uh, Thanks for letting <laughs> me hang out. That was awesome, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what would you like to plug? Um, I do a podcast with my brother called Screw. We're just going to talk about comics, and we, we go deep into comic books that we like, and we get some pretty good guests, uh, try to some get some comic book bigwigs and stuff. So it is, it is two middle-aged nerds talking about comic books, but uh, within that limited... Uh, Spectrum, I, I I think it's good. So if if you're a, a comic book nerd, maybe consider checking it out. That's what I'd like to plug. All right. Uh, Go back and watch great. season two of Brooklyn Nine Nine. I was in two scenes over the whole season. So yeah. see if you can find those. Uh, and that's it. Those are the two things I'd like to plug. Nice. I mean, we say this, but uh, is, is yeah. there anything you like been watching or reading that you w- might want to shout out? I just saw. Um, if we're gonna talk about like kind of like critically acclaimed movies um, and I this might even be like a basic choice when you're talking about critically acclaimed movies <laughs> but I just saw the rules of the game for the first time which is like the late 1940s French film Renoir yeah uh, yeah and uh, you know I it had you know I've seen it like dropped as like one of these most important films and like all blah 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 and it's, it was one of these things where I was like ah, I should just goddamn watch this yeah. movie and see what it's about and um, I was surprised how taken with it I was like 
like a lot of old movies, it was a slow start, and I sort of had to get acclimated to its pace. But that didn't take too long, and the dialogue I found very striking all throughout. The people are constantly saying very, like, sort of, I don't know, trenchant things about relationships and commitment that I thought were really funny. And then the whole third act is almost like an Altman movie where it's just kind of a camera swimming through this party and you're following, like, five stories. And I was blown away. I mean, it's yeah. definitely a film nerds movie more than just, like, a populist movie, but there are populist elements to it. I, I found it super interesting and accessible, so I'll say rules, rules of the game. Yeah, I, I have not done a Renoir deep dive yet. I gotta, I gotta get in on that. Yeah, it's extremely quotable. In. Like, there are so many lines where I was like, "Oh gosh, that is like, yeah. I want a screenshot of that with the caption because it's so." I wish I could give you an example, but people will just. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll do a shitty version of it, but it'll just be like, a woman will look at the man that she's been cheating on her husband with for two years or something, and like, <laughs> say something like, sort of like shouldn't a piece of shit like you be glad to feel young just for 10 seconds oh my God. or something like that? And you'll yeah. be like, well, how is she saying that to him? Or, um, <laughs> uh, or, and then like very dramatic French things. Like I, you know, I can't decide if I'd rather die or kill you more or something like that. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Sounds great. Cool. Put Put that on the post. All right. It's well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, that's Ebert. a pretty <laughs> on the uh, clumps poster. <laughs> you know what the best review I ever saw of anything was? I, I had this book called, um, uh, in, oh gosh, out of sheer rage. It's called by an author named Jeff Dyer, and it's a it's like two hundred pages about his failure to write a book about D. H. Lawrence. <laughs> he just tries to, and he can't do it. And the whole book is him mad that he can't do it. True story, right? And it's it's just this mm -hmm. angry, angry, self-loathing book about procrastination. And, and on the the reason I got it on the front cover of the book is a quote from Steve Martin that just says, "The funniest book I have ever read." Steve Martin, <laughs> and I bought it. I was like, "All right, that, I am curious <laughs> to know what this was." Yeah. And it, I don't know if it's funny. the funniest book I ever read, but it was legit funny. So, I don't that's know. good. Great. Reviews can do it. Maybe there. it's fun. We'll do it. It's fun. Yeah, that's my review. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Mm -hmm. It's All no right. clumps. Well, you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can follow us on Twitter at Can I Kick It. Uh, you can follow us on Letterboxd at C I K I Pod. You can follow me on either of those platforms at and pay attention because this has changed. Uh, JCP Glick Weber. Uh, Weber has two Bs still, though. And I teased recently <laughs> that my plug, I'm going to start plugging the 10 funniest people right now. Uh, which, what that specifically means, and it's funny that you just mention the clumps. uh no steve oh. martin because he's the specific person i've had in mind of like there's a lot of steve martin's life where he was one of the funniest people and he may be like overall one of the funniest people who is alive right now but like right now i don't think even steve martin would say that he is one of the 10 people you should go to if you want comedy right okay uh, i mean and he's so got that hulu, plugging... show, hulu show coming who knows yeah. well we'll see that master class uh, but so yeah funny, I hear. 
<laughs> I saw him at the Greek and theater is- in LA. Him and Martin Short, they did their show here, and it was a delight. Sure. <laughs> Maybe I'm just not familiar. No, no, you're you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You gotta change your plug to checking out you're, current Steve Martin. Stuff. You're you're at just just you're absolutely right. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah. So this list has been harder to come up girl. with. I have seen the shop. Girl. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Continue with your plug, please. <laughs> so yeah, this list has been harder to come up with than I thought it would be. I'm still at, like, I have a list of, like, 15 people, and I think I'm going to end up saying people who aren't on that long list right now. Because uh, I'm trying to, like, bring, like, a wide, like, oh, like... Name a name! Who are yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll do more preamble next time, then. Uh, I'll just say someone who has to be on the list. I'll just say Jason Manzukis. Jason Manzoukas is one of the ten funniest people right wow. now. He has been for a decent while. Uh, I guess I, yeah, I probably could, like, do ten different preambles. So that's the one you got this week. That's a good choice. Uh, Andy. Uh, yes, my name's Andy. You can find me online at Andy T. Germ. Uh, A-N-D-Y-T-G-E-R-M on uh, Twitter, Letterboxd, etc. Uh, if you like what the show is doing and want to help support us, throw us some cash. We have a coffee, ko-fi.com slash canai. That's C-A-N-N-E-S-I. Maybe you want to call it Kanzi to be whimsical. That's fun. That'd be Clumps-esque, I guess. Uh, the, uh, any 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 donate, donations you make, greatly appreciated. Donate at least $5. You can force Emilio to watch a movie and review it on Letterboxd. Uh, maybe he watches Nutty Professor 2 The Clumps. Maybe. Maybe if you want him to watch and write a review for it. You truly that, have your to chance. pay me $5. um a personal plug uh the trailer for worth came out today which we Uh talked about and i think it looks really really good so check out the trailer for worth uh it's the kind of movie where um uh stanley tucci tells uh uh, michael keaton that his like formula for giving out money to 9-11 victims is offensive which uh, feels like catnip to me. But, um, yeah, it's the clemency of this year. Exactly. Uh, and so that's all I got, Cullen. Uh, yeah, Clatchley on everything, C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y. And I'm still going through Clint Eastwood movies to try and get ready for Cry Macho. And I watched Bridges of Madison County for the first time. And it's just one of the most devastating, beautiful movies I've ever seen. Oh. Um, you got to watch Bridges of Madison County. That's There's so like nice. a moment. It's, I mean, it's so great. It's like... It's it's such a thoughtful movie, and there's like a moment where Clint Eastwood's like, "Do you like living in Iowa?" To Meryl Streep, and she like is sort of meandering around because she's this Italian lady, and he's like, "You don't." He's like, "I'm not gonna tell anyone," and it's just like this small joke, and her reaction and Clint Eastwood's reaction, they're just like both at the peak of their powers acting wise, and it's like the most visceral feeling of watching two people fall in love. I think I've like ever seen. Uh, Emilio. Uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd at I Left Alone, and you can follow me on Twitter at I'm Left Alone. Uh, my plug this week, I... So Bruno Dumont, I l- was reading reviews of him, and I was reading other stuff I am, and he gets re- compared to, like, Robert Brisson a lot. Uh, and I've mm. only seen one movie by Robert Brisson, but I think it's a masterpiece, which is A Man Escape. So watch A Man Escape yeah. if you want. It's a great movie. Great. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, go ahead. Our theme, so our theme song oh, is oh, Tree yeah. Related. You can find them at SoundCloud.com slash Tree Related or search Tree Related on Spotify. Now we can go. Great. And now I can release our audience. Bye. Bye-bye.